Hello and welcome to the Filmmaking Stuff Podcast, where you'll get insider tactics on how to make, market, and sell your movie without the middleman. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host, LA-based motion picture executive, Jason Brubaker. Hey filmmakers, Jason Brubaker with Filmmaking Stuff. Uh, Today joining us is Greg Corhan. Uh, He created a film called Project Payday. And what's especially fun is Greg and I had some uh, coaching conversations way back at the beginning. And uh, Greg, you've come a really long way. Yeah, it has been. It's been quite a path. So when we first started talking, you had this kernel of an idea. You'd seen, if I understand it, you'd seen some book and you were like, I really like the story. I'd love to figure out how to produce it into a film. Yeah, I had found the book because I was researching um, through IMDb. I was looking for similar films that that I knew that I could produce in a, you know, with a reasonable budget. So I just kind of wanted to back my way out and see what was out there. And I ran across a, uh, a film that was made and I looked up the author and sure enough, he had other books made um, into films. And so I reached out and I actually got to him. I got to him directly and, and uh, we were able to, I was able to option the book from him. Was there any like, uh, was that a challenge for you? Uh, the, the biggest challenge was probably the reaching out part. You know, I'm, a, I'm an introvert. So it's the outreach was probably the hardest part. But uh, once we had a conversation going, we were so um, aligned with, you know, what we wanted to see in that story. Uh, he had just as a total aside had been not happy with the way his first book was um, adapted. So he, we had a, a long conversation about how we would go about it and what we would do. And uh, it was very natural from there. It was, um, you know, he put me in touch with the literary agent and I went through the process, of course, there was, you know, writing up the documents and all that, but it really wasn't difficult. Yeah, and, and you'll have to forgive me too, just for our listeners, I want to get to the nitty gritty because a lot of people say like, you know, we have Tom Loyal on here a lot. He talks about reaching out to investors. We have other filmmakers that are able to say like, yeah, I picked up the phone and got so-and-so on the phone. What was, what was your tactics for even finding the number? Was that in IMDb? Uh, it actually wasn't in IMDb. Um, I had to back my way out from there. So I, I found him through his own website. Um, and then I kind of stalked him around to try to find a contact <laughs> that I could find. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. Sometimes you have to play detective to get, a, get somebody on the phone, but- You really do. Sometimes it's LinkedIn. Sometimes it's uh, you know their Facebook. You have to see where they're active and just kind of get in front of them that way. But you guys had that conversation and then you went through the appropriate channels. You went with the agent and the option in the book. Um, because you were going through an agency, do you feel like they charged you market value or were you able to get the option you know, at a discount so you could actually get the project going? Um, it cost more than I wanted because the agency was involved. They wouldn't do it yeah. for a dollar, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah. Um, uh, it was fair. I mean, the deal, you know, when I looked at it, now I think okay that was that was pretty fair and you know to be totally transparent I optioned it for I think it was uh the first option was 18 months and I needed another six months so I had to go back and because I didn't have enough uh, investor money at the time so I had to go back and and option another six months so it was really at risk at that point because I was putting out more money but um 
uh, ultimately that got the, that's what got the ball rolling. When did you know it was going to happen? Uh, December 31st of 2019. And then, okay. So that's the point where you, you that's said when I date. got, that's when I got the first big check from an investor. Wow. And what was that process like? That was a long involved process as well. That was, um, a lot of networking. Um, you know, if, if I can give any, any insight to anyone, it's like, you never know who, not who you know, but who you know knows because, um, just through networking and working on it, you know, over and over and over. And you're just telling your story, just telling your story until all of a sudden somebody goes, Hmm, that sounds kind of interesting, but you know, you have to have all the ducks in a row. That's something that you taught early on. You know, you have to really, um, prove that this is going to be real. Um, I remember our first conversations when you were like, no, don't focus on, uh, you know, I'm making this fancy pitch deck and you're like, no, just show that you can actually make a return for this. And that's really what got the, the, the first investor on board because, um, you know, my history, I've been in advertising for years, so I know how to find an audience, but I know how to find it for somebody else. And I never really turned that towards, towards myself. And so it wasn't until you really kind of nudged me into, hey, try to figure out who that real live audience is and how many units do you need to sell to, to make a return? Because when I was able to put that in the pitch deck and, and show like, hey, if you put in this dollar, I'm going to get a dollar 30 back. I know for a fact, because worst case scenario, I, I, can, I can reach this many people. And if 1% of those people buy, we're, you know, we've made a money, you know, we've made our money back plus a return. And when I was able to show that the first investor came in and when the first investor came in, it was like, you know, everybody in the pool, it looks fun. Nobody wants to be the first person in the pool. <laughs> but, but as soon as one guy, one person gets in the pool, then it's like, oh, oh, I want to be part of that. Right. And then it, and it just kind of snowballed from there. But it yeah. was December 31st that I got the first check and I had the rest of the money by the end of January. That's fantastic. So what a, what a great New Year gift. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty great. It was pretty great. I mean, the whole project. I mean, that's I really focused on moving things forward. That was probably the other biggest lesson that I learned in this process was that you always talk about waiting for permission, right? Don't wait for permission. Don't wait for permission. But what I found was that unless you can actually show that it's moving forward without them, that that's when people want to be on board. It's kind of like FOMO, their fear of missing out, right? So instead of waiting for them, I'm showing that it's moving forward anyway. So when those investors started hopping on board, I just, I just started, you know, started the next step and then the next step and the next step. So it was all about momentum and moving it fast. And we had the thing produced, you know, as, as soon as the money started coming in, we booked the time, we booked the locations, we started moving, moving through the process of casting. And um, we had the whole thing shot and produced and the trailer ready for AFM that fall. Yeah. Wow. And um you know, it's a, it, we have that mastermind group and you were a part of that too as, as you kind of gained momentum and, and you were ready to take the film to market. 
Um, but before we get into some of that stuff on the distribution side, I want to take a step back because, you know, the, the market has evolved a lot. I used to give the advice, just like you said, where, you know, you break it down and how many units you need to sell and all that kind of stuff, because transactional video on demand, you know, was pretty hot back in the day. But as you know, especially with uh, everything we're going through uh, in this time in history where a lot of people are at home, um, there's a lot of people just paying for like a monthly subscription, you know, Amazon Prime, Hulu, uh, or if they want to do ad supported, they're watching 2B TV. And, and so when you, when you mentioned, and uh, I, w- I want to be clear too to the listeners, you, you said something about like guarantee, you could guarantee a return. Um, I, I think you're, you're saying that because on paper, you had a really good model. You know, a lot of filmmakers go in, as Tom Malloy would say, with an unprepped project. And they're like, here, right. Mr. Investor, look at this. I think it'll make money, but there's nothing on paper. Um, you showed a roadmap on how it could potentially make money because I, I got to remind you that there and everybody else that there's no guarantees in this business. Right. But, but let me ask you this, like, because Tom Malloy talks a lot about uh, people that invest in films. There's two things he always talks about. The majority of people that invest in films are not going to be based in Los Angeles. And then a lot of times people invest in films frankly, because it's a, you know, for lack of a better term, they just want to do something fun that's outside of their boring business. Was that the case with your investors? I mean, once you got to have the numbers, you got to have like some idea of what you're going to do, you know, once you have it. But um, did you find that there was another motive behind why these people are putting money into the film? Yeah, I think there are three types of people, three types of investors. And that's at least that's what I came across. So there were the people, like you said, they were just like, hey, I'm you know, I'm done with one path and now I want to do something fun. And there, so those are the people that just were just interested in movies, right? I just want to do, I just want to see how it works, right? If I pay you, can I come to set and do, do that? And, and sure enough, we had some of those. Um, but there, I, th- I think that the two other types of investors that I came across, one would be those that were invested already in some form in the story right the story or the cause you know if you have a documentary it makes sense that they would be kind of wrapped up in that cause right so they want to support that cause but there are other people that want to see that kind of story come uh come up come to fruition right they want to see that kind of character or they want to see that kind of um the way they were treated or that type of thing and then the third type were people that were just invested in you. And by you, I don't mean like necessarily the person, but more of what you represent. So I had some investors that were invest that were that were backing me because they knew me, they knew the types of stories that I made, because I'd made a bunch of short films and they had seen them. I had actually used that. I I took them to places where my shorts were playing so that they could see the style and everything else. So I was building a brand, if you will. Right. And they were, and they were bought into that. So, so, so I, I, there were, those were the three types that I found mostly the, the latter, the ones that were invested in me. And then those that were invested in the, in the, just the movies, not so much of the story in the middle, but I had one that was, that was, they were like, yes, I, I want to see this Be, just because some of the types of characters that were in it. And I, I mentioned that other part about um, investors not coming from Hollywood. Is that the case? So true. None of mine came from Hollywood. None, of, none, 
they, they were all um, uh, based in and around the Philadelphia area, which is where we happened to be at the time. And just just because I, I love just unpacking this stuff because I think yeah. it's the, the kind of thing that every every filmmaker thinks about because it just seems like such a complicated, overwhelming step in the process raising the money. What kind of businesses were these folks involved in outside of filmmaking? Oh my gosh, all kinds. Um, architects, uh, some engineers. Uh, let's see what else. No dentists. Weirdly enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's not weird that's kind of a cliche but uh i know it's the it's the joke that we because <laughs> i remember you mentioned it that way back yeah. when oh yeah <laughs> um no but i also wanted to say one thing and that is you know you mentioned there is no guarantee and of course there's no guarantee right this is probably one of the riskier investments that you can be a part of but um so every everybody that that i spoke to knew that like that's that was clear that there's here's a million decisions that have to happen the odds are it's not going to happen. But when I said guarantee, I was referring to exactly that piece where even if, um, you know, even if we didn't go the, the, you know, Netflix, even if Netflix didn't pick us up, right, um, then I knew that we could rely on almost that video on demand model, right, that pay per model. Yeah. I could get it on Amazon and I knew that I could reach an audience that I could sell it one by one by one by one. That's what I meant more of a guarantee. It was more of a confidence than it is, was a guarantee. Well, you had as a, yeah, as you, you had mentioned, a, you know, people, a lot of people just do hope marketing. Well, we're going to get into a festival and somebody's going to see it and then it's going to, they'll pick it up and it'll be great and we'll be millionaires. Um, but I, I took that, the other approach, which was very nuts and bolts, which was, you know, kind of what you teach. And, um, and just to say, like, look, this is not our plan. Like, I don't want to go out and sell this one by one. But even if we don't sell the big one, we have a backup. And the reverse is true as well. I, I firmly believe that we're getting more traction with the film because we know that we can reach an audience, right? Because we cast with people that had their own audience that will come along because, you know, you could land on Netflix and still get lost. Well, that's absolutely true. But, you know, you say something about this finding an audience. And, and I used to, it, it's fun to, to um, it's fun to talk about some of this stuff because, you know, you look at the marketplace and you look at the way people are teaching now and all these kinds of things. I would say because one of the things that, that I enjoyed about working with you is you come from an advertising and digital marketing background. In fact, right. I see. I sometimes see you as, as you know, in some of those other digital marketing forums that were that were a part of, right. to, totally unrelated to filmmaking. And uh, so, when you're talking about an audience, I it's different than saying like what most people say is like I got a football movie and I'm only going to go after people interested in football. In your case, you're able to look at it kind of like an e-commerce play, where yeah. if you had a client that was trying to sell. I don't know, water bottles or something like that, you would, you would be able to really like analyze uh, different keywords and, and things like that to drive targeted traffic or at least semi-targeted traffic. That was the goal. Exactly. That was exactly the goal. And, and, and so again, more as a backup than anything else, right? Because what it does is it forces you to think, okay, well, what are the elements that this audience might respond to? Right. Or what or what type of people would might respond to this story, this particular story. 
And so by thinking in that way, you're now way more thinking like the people who are um, uh, ultimately going to buy it, right? You're thinking like they are. And I think that that's just a valuable, that's just a valuable exercise, even if you never have to go down that path. Um, when, when you joined the membership, uh, your film was already in the can. Is that right? You were just about to go to the film markets or where were you at in that process? I can't remember where, when we first started. I think we just, I think we had shot. No, we did not. We did not shot, shoot yet. We were um, just prior. We were just prior to shooting because we were just in, in the casting when that was, when that had happened. Got it. So, so really, you know, it's, it's leaps and bounds. You, you are at the place where, where you were just shooting, but then you finished the film and then you had your rough cut and then you had your picture lock and that kind of stuff. Because what I want to get to next is, is your story about distribution. I want to tie that into the planning that you did. And I kind of want to hear how you were able to pitch like sales agents. Um, and I guess my direct question is, were you able to use that preliminary research to get the attention of sales agents or was it a situation where they didn't quite care about that stuff? I was able, so finding, finding distri distribution was, was interesting. It was almost like a parallel path. In other words, I didn't use the fact that we had already kind of reached down to an audience. What, what that meant was, is that what I was showing, right? Any good sales agent could look at it and go, oh, it has all the elements that I need to sell. And it has all the elements that I need to sell because I had done the research prior on the audience. So here's the, this is the funny part. I, this was, when we took it to AFM, my goal was to take the whole film there, but I didn't have it ready. I only had the trailer um, complete by the time AFM came around. And this was, as you recall, this was the last AFM where humans were allowed there, right? It was right. AFM, it was in person. So I just repeated the process. So I researched as many of the uh, sales agents and distributors that were going to be at, at AFM to see if my film fit their slate, right? So to see if, to see if I could be a part of their portfolio and it would be a natural fit, right? I wasn't, it's a family film. Project Payday is a family film. So I wasn't going to go to horror uh, 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 sales agents. So I found as many as I could and reached out to them probably more than a month before AFM actually started. And over that time, just continually reaching out to them, I was able to get, um, I think it was 14 or 15 good solid meetings with them already scheduled going in, right? No drop-ins. I just, I just showed up and yep. we already had it booked. And out of those meetings, and I only had the trailer, to show, I just said, here it is, right? Here's the thing. And that's all they really cared about. They just wanted to watch that. Um, I got six offers. That's fantastic. I mean, that's the kind of thing that the people, you know, that's the reason why you go to the film markets is to hopefully grab the attention of agents and all that kind of stuff. Um, absolutely, absolutely. The agents, I mean, some of the agents, I remember one conversation, the guy was like, could you do two of these a year? Cause I could sell two of these a year. Well, let's unpack that a little bit. So. The cool thing that I hear from you is you did your research. First of all, you already had plan B set up. So that gave you the confidence to really approach the market without any sort of expectation on, on the outcome. 
Right. It, it right. sounds like. Yeah. And so, so that alone gives you a position of strength that anybody who's been in sales, it's, it's always the, the best way to sell is, is knowing that you don't necessarily need the sale. Exactly. And, yeah. And, and so you go in, you reach out to these folks you have, and you reach out to the folks well before the market and you reach out to the appropriate folks. I have a family film, uh, which, you know, uh, which companies that are headed to AFM deal in family films, you, you were able to pinpoint the appropriate companies, the appropriate people behind those companies, you reach out to them. And then you had multiple meetings when you got there. And, and the thing that you just said that was really curious is, is now you, you're only working off a trailer, but you already got the attention of people that are like, how many of these can you make a year? Because, you know, it, it's one thing to, to go out and, and get one film distributed, but it sounds to me like some of these folks just want to work with you. Like, in other words, that's a good um, point of entry to a long relationship. Absolutely. I mean, Tom talks about that all the time, right? That you have to, you got to go and you got to make the relationships with, with these people. And that's what it is. I have a dialogue now. And even the people that I've, um, uh, you know, that I didn't go with, cause I had to go with one, right. I had to pick one, <laughs> but even those people I can still be in touch with. I still, it's, it's a start of a relationship. So, um, that was one of the most valuable, valuable trips. I mean, not only just to secure the, uh, a sales agent for, for the film, but also just to kind of widen, you know, just the conversations. I could tell the people that were, um, it, it changed it, going in with the research that I did changed the conversation to, Oh, please, will you pick up my film to, um, is this guy a good or girl or girl a good fit for my film? Right. Like it was, it became more of an interview process, a conversation of peers rather than, you know, please help me, sir. You know, kind of a, <laughs> kind of a dynamic. Right. It was, it was you interviewing them. I mean, if you were to sell, I always make the, um, the analogy with real estate, um, another love of mine. Um, but, in, in terms of real estate, if you were to hire a real estate agent, in a sense, you are interviewing that agent to represent you. And I think right. it's important to think about, um, you know, selling your film through the same lens, you know, going back to your story here. So you found somebody off the trailer and then they offered to represent you. Correct. Correct. Yeah. I had six offers. We, we kind of narrowed those down. Um, and over the course of a month, I like had more conversations with them, that kind of thing. And, um, we finally, you know, chose one. And then, and then um, the part that we left out here is I had to finish the film. <laughs> right. That's, that's a big one. I remember you in the mastermind, you know, it's all kind of coming back to me because it's been a few months, but I remember you saying that. And I think we were all uh, as a collective group, pretty amazed what you were able to do without even having a finished film. Yeah. So I had to finish it, which we did. Um, and then, you know, now it's making its rounds to, uh, you know, trying to trying to find the buyers starting you know they're starting at the top and working their way working their way down but um yeah so it's that's it's in that process right now yeah so so they worked with you to finish the film and find a cut that they thought they could sell no they actually said go for it they you know said they said what do you need and i of course i knew the steps to finish i just had to and i had already budgeted for it it was already part of the plan so i didn't need anything else from them um to actually finish except for time so yep, yep. we just talked about a plan of when to announce it and when to, um, you know, when they would release it and, 
you know, which was the first, people were still going to fest, um, markets at the time. So which was the first market that we would go to and that type of thing. So um, that was not, um, uh, you know, the only thing I had to do was just put my head down and, and do it, you know, and finish it for them. And, and so right now, and, and I guess, I guess we have to call in, um, we, we can't ignore the fact that the whole entire world has changed with all this COVID stuff. So uh, I remember you having a ton of momentum after, uh, after you got, uh, you know, represented by the sales agent and they were out shopping around. So what, is, what has happened since then, especially with COVID? COVID threw everything for a loop. There were some, um, uh, there were some genres, as you know, that were uh, in high demand, um, right? Because all production stopped. So yeah. if you had a finished film, it was a big deal. But there are other genres that, you know, things kind of moved around. And, and for me, uh, we, we, we've stumbled a couple of times, not stumbled, but just got stalled uh, a couple of times because whole divisions were being gobbled up. You know, not only was COVID happening, but also all these acquisitions and all these new streaming services were coming out, right? So because right. everybody wanted a piece of the, of the, of the pie of everybody sitting at home. So you know, it wasn't just Netflix and Amazon anymore or whatever. It was, um, you know, Peacock and everything else. So, so all these, all the new ones were coming on board and there was all sorts of shifts happening. Um, you know, I'm happy to say that we got in, uh, you know, we talk every month, the distributor and I, and I'm happy to say that we got into a lot of the big places. So it's, it's making the rounds and it's doing well, but I, I have to say it's super frustrating because, there's nothing I can really do at this point that, you know, I'm just waiting while, while they're doing their thing. So I'm spending my time focusing on what do I need to have behind me and re, uh, ready for when it does get picked up so that we can drive a little traffic and get a little buzz about it. So, you know, just keeping in touch with the actors and their audiences and those types of things, um, just so that those things are teed up to go. When, uh, when it does finally find a home, which it will. Yeah, so, so you mentioned like all those streaming services. So if I'm hearing you right, you're in a few of those right now or you're still holding out for like a bigger deal? We're, um, we have not, we're having conversations with um, individual markets, uh, but we're trying really hard to get, uh, uh, you know, an all, all in one. You okay. know, to get, we're still up with the, with the big guys that can do, that can make those kinds of offers. Got it. And you said at the beginning that your sales agents starting at the top and kind of working their way down. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. that can be kind of frustrating, especially because, you know, again, like a real estate deal, you know, once he, once he kind of handed over, you, you really, um, you really want to make sure that you made the right decision, you know, hiring that person and bringing them on and all that kind of stuff. But the fact that you have, it sounds like ongoing communication. I, I always think that that's a really good, um, signal that says that they're, they're working for you. Yeah. That was part of, um, my original, um, it was important to me. I, I just didn't want it to go away. Um, some magic black box and then show up later. So that was really important that I have that communication. I made that clear early, early on. Um, so that part has been, that part has been really good just to, because it helps me learn as well. Right. Absolutely. It gives me an instant feedback, not instant, but you know, I get feedback from every major meeting that they have. 
why this, you know, was good or not good or, you know, whatever. So that just going to help me for the next one. Yes. Yeah, so let's talk about the next one. So how's your uh, relationships with the investors? Cause now, now you have a film that's fully finished. It's, it's being shopped around the marketplace. Uh, do you find that the investors are patient and they're okay with all that stuff? They are patient. Um, it is, you know, a little frustrating for them as well, but yeah, I set expectations way on that nothing was going to happen for two years. So I knew, you know, they're, it, they're not waiting. They don't need the money back right away. Right. Otherwise yeah. they would not be a, a accredited investor. But um, uh, I think the other part of that, you mentioned communication with the sales agent. I think yep. that's another key is communication with the investor. So I create a little video uh, every month and I send it to them, you know, just off the cuff with my phone. It's nothing fancy. Um, but I just do a little update where things are, what's happening, what's, what's working, what's not working. And I've done that since they first, you know, first sent a check. So I just keep in touch with them and that is fine because when you're in constant communication, you're, you're already answering their, their questions before they're, before they start getting nervous. Um, what I don't feel I can do is I can't go back to them and say, all right, let's, let's start the next one because we haven't even gotten any response from the first one yet. But, um, so that is a little bit frustrating as well. And yeah, again, that, that's where I was going with my question there, because you mentioned about doing something else and, uh, you're right. You're kind of in limbo with that, with that pool of investors right now. Yeah. Uh, half of them actually said the words, Hey, I'm treating this like, uh, you know, going to. Atlantic City or, or Vegas, I'm putting the money down. And if it hits, we're just going to roll again. So they're in as soon as I can show that it's coming back. But, I, you know, because of this delay, it's really uh, a little bit, it is a little bit of a limbo. But, you know, all I can do is just keep, it just allows me more time to read more scripts and, and uh, make a plan. Hey, so as we're wrapping this up, what, what would you say was the biggest lesson you learned through all of this and, and the biggest advice? So I think there are two things and I'm, and we've kind of sort of touched on both of them, but I'll, I'll, I'll say them again here. The first thing is don't be afraid to reach out. I think every filmmaker that I talk to hears, you know, that you hear independent film and you think you're doing it all by yourself and you, you can't, we know film, the, the production process is a collaborative, you know, in, in adventure, but but um, you got to reach out early and you got to be able to get out of your comfort zone and to be able to ask questions and, and say you don't know. And, you know, meeting with you in the mastermind and, and even hearing from what the other filmmakers are doing in the mastermind, that was huge value um, early on because you don't know what you don't know, right? And you're listening yep. to the same stuff. So don't be afraid to, to reach out. That's, that was the first big thing that started the ball rolling for me. And I, and I, um, I encourage that for every other filmmaker because most everybody is sitting there waiting, right? They're, ah, why wouldn't somebody just give me money and I'll show them how good I am. Right. Um, so you gotta, so you gotta get out of your comfort zone and you reach out. And the second thing is when I mentioned the word momentum, because nothing happened for years, years, uh, nothing happened until I started making it seem like it was happening anyway, right? So when I had, when I built, you know, uh, as an artist, you know, you have that, that kind of, uh, what's that called? 
imposter syndrome, right? You, you have, when you have that, uh, I, I don't know, this is really going to be a thing, right? I, I want it to be, it's my dream for it to be, but I'm not really sure. When you start pretending like it's real and taking action as if it's going to happen anyway, and, and, and making it, um, that's when, I, that's when I really started getting momentum is when I started acting like there was momentum and I started moving it forward no matter what. That's when people started coming on board. So I don't know how you sum that up, but that was really the two biggest things that helped me the most. I, I think one of the ways you sum it up, I, I had a mentor very early on this uh, gentleman named Craig Spector. He's a great horror novelist and he's also a screenwriter. Um, for those of you listening, his books are pretty good. Uh, actually, very good if you like horror. But one of the things that he used to talk about is the sense of gravity. And he would say things like gravity works. And uh, I didn't quite understand that. But, but as I've grown older and more experienced, you know, I think what you're describing is gravity. The more momentum you create, you know, the more things are attracted to you and come into your direction. And it's interesting that you bring that up because, you know, right now in the mastermind, um, we just had uh, our, our bi-weekly call um, this week, actually, back on Wednesday. And, you know, every day, every time we have a mastermind, it always seems like there's one theme in the call that keeps coming up. And, and surprisingly and interestingly enough, it was this idea of momentum and gravity, because what you just described, a lot of people are realizing that. And, and I, you know, early on in my career, I heard it people would say stuff like that, you know, Craig and all these folks would say, it. I just didn't experience, but now I have. And the thing yeah. is like, once you get an emotion and you start, this almost sounds like, you know, the, all that, all that new age woo woo stuff. But I think there's something to be said that once you get emotion and you create some sort of certainty with yourself that, that you can visualize it, that, you know, you're going to push forward. you you don't need permission. Um, suddenly people start coming in your life. that can kind of help you fulfill that goal. Absolutely. It's, you're right. It does sound really woo-woo, but there's physics, right? An object in motion tends to stay in motion, that kind of thing. But it, it just, I was the same way for, you know, filmmakers, artists, anybody, novelists, everybody that, you know, the, the guy who's got the novel and has been in his drawer for 12 years and never, never really did anything with it. It's, it's, it's the same way when you, when you, everybody's got an idea, Right. Everybody I talk to, oh, yeah, I got an idea for a movie, but nobody actually takes action and moves it forward. It doesn't have to be huge, but just steps forward. You, as soon as you start it moving, it just stays moving. Well, I really appreciate you coming on today, Greg. I mean, it's been so fun to, you know, uh, have some conversations with you at the very, very early stage of. Uh, this this kernel of an idea to watch you go through production and now you're in distribution and heck now you're even thinking about your next project uh, I'm sure our listeners are going to get a lot out of this conversation thank you oh it's been a pleasure oh and one other question if somebody wanted to find out more about you and your films is, is there a place they could go online to check it out absolutely they can go to um, projectpaydaymovie.com all one word projectpaydaymovie.com and uh, get, uh, get the latest on what's happening there. Awesome. So projectpaydaymovie.com. And, mm -hmm. you know, we talked a little bit about the mastermind. Any of you listening, if you're interested in, in kind of having that experience as well, uh, you can go to filmmakingstuffhq.com. And once again, filmmakingstuffhq.com. Well, once again, thanks, Greg. Uh, we'll have everybody go to projectpaydaymovie.com. And uh, uh, we look forward to your success. Oh, well, I'll be in touch. Don't, you'll be the first to know. <laughs> awesome. Take care. All right.
Thank you for listening. This has been another episode of the Filmmaking Stuff podcast with Jason Brubaker. If you like our show and want to get more filmmaking info, make sure you check out filmmakingstuff.com and join us every week for new filmmaking tactics. Until next time, take action and make your movie now. 